0: This is the Grind, Sell, and Elevate podcast by Tizer Evans, where we do a deep dive on how to stay driven, how to be a top-tier salesperson, and how to elevate the quality of your life. Hey everybody. Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. I'm Tizer Evans. This week, I sit down with Matt Rosenthal, who's the CEO and president of Mindcore, which is a full-service technology firm based in New Jersey. Matt is a a guy that knows a lot about business, a lot about technology. He's got a great story of how he got to where he's at. We really talked, went deep on some of the struggles, the tribulations that he's gone through as an entrepreneur, but also how he scaled his company, which has been really impressive, his story. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt. If you guys haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast, drop me a five-star review, let me know what you think of it, tag me on social media, my handle's at Evans, And if you wanna work with me on sales coaching, head over to TizerEvans.com consulting page. You can go ahead and leave your information. We can set up a time to talk and help to get your sales game to the next level. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt. All right. I'm here with Matt Rosenthal, the CEO of MindCore Technologies. Matt, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: Good, dude. Well, thanks for being on Grindstone Elevate. Uh, You've got a really cool company. Uh, I'm I'm assuming it's super relevant right now with everything going remote, uh, whatnot. For just context purposes, people listening, why don't you give a little bit of background about who you are and what your company does?
1: Yep. So we are in the IT business. Um, We solve IT problems. Like that's the simplest way to put it, but every business needs um, a strategist for not just their, their business, but for the technology and, and the combination of those two, right? The marriage of business and technology. Um, it's hard to be in business today and to not have technology be the foundation of your business. Mm. does matter what you're doing. If your tech isn't working right, if you don't have a good tech solution, uh, it's going to be tough to service your customers and, and really to reach your goals. You're in business to make money. So really my job is to help you reach your goals and make money, be profitable, keep your employees happy, keep your your, uh, clients happy. And technology really is at the center of that. And so, you know, we strategize and then we actually deliver the services, whatever you need, whether it's telephones, um, cloud, cybersecurity, day-to-day IT uh, support and services. We do all of that and it's evolved over the years, you know, in the past 20 years to really be where we're experts in, in that delivery of that service in that way, just fit just right for you.
0: What, I mean, how did you get your start? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't, or maybe it was always in technology. Uh, I saw you've got an MBA, right. It's, but it's, um, so it seems like you went to business school and then kind of now pivoted a little bit, obviously into technology. So how did you kind of make that, transition and what about the technology sector kind of really grind your gears so to speak they got you excited about jumping into that space a lot of questions Uh Uh,
1: so how did i get into this i got it's it's a it's a long long story but the the probably the version that you can connect with is i fell into it. it has nothing to do with my education um took me uh about 10 years to get my undergraduate i took a really like sideways path i actually failed out of college actually, as my relatives watch this, uh, I begin to say that they're learning something that they didn't know because I didn't tell anybody when it happened. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I was always I was a worker. I started working when I was like 13 and a half years old, like 40 hours a week after school. I've always been a worker, Um, didn't focus much on school, um, came from a somewhat, you know, dysfunctional uh, home life with uh, my father died when I was 12. And and I kind of had to find my own way grew up fairly, I grew up in a well to do town, but I was the poor kid. Mm -hmm. So I had this, this, Thing that, I, that developed where I was like really hungry to be successful, hungry to have things I didn't have. And it, it really stuck with me all throughout life, but um, I didn't do good in school, did terrible in high school, I'm a smart guy, but I just didn't apply myself. I was too busy working. So ultimately I had no path. When I went to college, which I did go to, it took me 10 years because I failed out. I ended up driving a truck for two and a half years, like 14 hours a day. I ended up doing landscaping, roofing, every annual labor job you can think of to make money had no idea what I wanted to do. So um, I was a, a volunteer fireman for about 15 years and a guy that I knew in the firehouse, his brother, I'm in my mid, late 20s, was looking for somebody to, uh, to hire doing IT work. He had a contract in uh, New York City, World Trade Center at Deutsche Bank, and he needed to hire some, some, some crack workers who, who you know, didn't know anything at the low level. So I said, well, you know, I'm not really sure where I'm gonna go or what I'm gonna do. But the one thing I always wanted to do was be a cop. And I couldn't because of an injury that I had, you know, bench pressing, I, I couldn't at the time do, do anything physical. So I'm like, wow, what am I gonna do with my life? It's all I wanted to do. He gave me a job. I'll skip the whole story. He gave me a job, um, I think making like 35 or 40 grand a year. And it was like the best opportunity that I had ever had. And so that got me into IT. And I was unpacking boxes, putting computers on shelves, like in, you know, I didn't know how to even turn them on. Uh, that was back in the late nineties. Mm. So that's what got me into it. There was a fork in the road. It was like, do I, you know, do I continue doing you know, X, Y, and Z? I actually had an opportunity to be a paid fireman. You know, do I, do I go down that path or do I take this, this job as an it guy? And I, I stopped it. I thought, I remember the, the process. Like I actually thought about it. I'm like, you know what? My life will probably be better if I be the it guy and I had no technical ability whatsoever. It wasn't like my skill set. So I got the job and what I did was like what I've always done. I went in there and I took advantage of the opportunity. I read every book I could get my hands on. i started building computers. I taught myself how to be, you know, more of a technical person within two or three years I had moved up, 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 moved to a different location that they had uh, on 42nd street um, in in midtown Manhattan. And I just kept climbing the ladder Left that company, went to a few other ones and I became very technical. I got certified as an engineer. I did all those things. Along the way though, I never really wanted, I still didn't want to be the techie guy. It doesn't come naturally. And I learned management skills along the way. I learned how to deal with people along the way. Um, And ultimately I I ended up being a fairly high level IT guy in a $2 billion global public company in charge of the the headquarters in in Manhattan. in the grace building, you know, time life building also kind of followed that path. And that's where I got my MBA. They put me through school and I got my MBA. I also got something called a PMP, which is a project management certification. I was following this corporate path and I was a, a, what they had called a rising star because I had learned more so about being tactical. I learned how to really deal with people, how to listen to people, how to understand how to navigate uh, conversations and relationships and it kept getting me more and more recognized by, by everybody in this company. So long story, but the takeaway is I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to, how to navigate difficult situations and um, certainly I got the education, but I will tell you that that education that they paid for to this day has, I'm not, I mean, I'm all for education, but it hasn't served my career in any way, shape or form. If I didn't get the MBA, it would have made no difference. Um, Frankly, if I didn't get my bachelor's degree, it would have made no difference. I'd still be in the exact same spot that I'm in today because of grit, hard work, commitment, dedication, perseverance, working harder than everybody around me. That's what got me to where I am today in owning a business. Um, The last piece of the puzzle, which you probably would ask me, so I'll just tell you. When I got to a certain level in that company, I had started a side business doing some IT work because when you're an IT guy, people say, hey, can you help me here? Can you help me there? Right. So I got some side gigs going back before it was like a side gig world, and um, it started to become like reoccurring revenue. And I'm like, oh wow, like that's cool. Like I'm making more on my side stuff than I'm making as uh, in charge of 30 people at a billion dollar company. So um, it was cool. It was a good period of time because I was making my salary, but I was also making the money on the side and I was making more money than I ever made in my life. You know, I couldn't even, it was like, wow, it's a dream. And one day they called me into HR and they said, have you ever heard of this company? And it was, it was my consulting company. So somehow they figured out that I had this thing on the side, which was not impacting my work in any way. I just gotten the best review they ever could have given me. And um, I had a sense they were gonna let me go, so I quit. And that was the beginning of my, my, my journey as an entrepreneur. As often as the case, when I quit that job, rather than be fired, uh, I went to work for a friend of mine who offered me a job as a CFO. And I'm like, I don't know how to be a CFO. He's like, listen, I'll give you a hundred thousand a year, come in and be my CFO. This is in like 2006 or something like that. And I said, okay, well being around this individual talking of mentors for three and a half years, I learned everything I needed to know about running a business, about how to be in business, about how to sell, about how to market, about how to not be Uh, About what not to do as a business owner a business leader through this this gentleman who today is still a very good friend of mine And after three and a half years with him I was able to go out on my own because my IT business was still growing on the side to the point where I was making Three times as much from that business as I was from his hundred thousand dollar a year salary So you can add up how much I was making sure. And I mean at that age I was still in my early 30s. I I was like and I'm the poor kid who grew up in a dysfunctional home like my god It's insane. Like this is crazy but then I left and went on my own and, I, and to this day, he's a customer of mine too. It was the ups and downs, the failures and the successes, the, the, the getting, you know, falling down and getting up, falling down and getting up and being around some smart people that set me up to finally make the, take the plunge and actually say, okay, I'm gonna go follow my IT business as, as the actual core only thing I'm doing, have that as a company and see what happens. And that's what I did. I gave all my attention to it, and and so here we are talking. And that was about probably ten years ago that I finally made that call. But um, long, long, long story. But just some lessons in there.
0: No, no I love it. Thank you for uh, sharing all of that and the detail. Um, and so I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that can serve a lot of people that are listening. Uh, the, you know, I mean, it doesn't really matter miles. too much. What's that? go to college go to college you know i'm on the fence with that too i went to college uh have a degree in something that nobody cares about and i've never used um you know i mean the first two years i basically just regurgitated everything i did in high school so i'm on the fence of whether or not you know especially for me what i do it, it, it like it maybe it helped me maybe it hasn't um I don't. I don't know. I look at the but one thing I say is that I got a job with Enterprise Rent-A-Car right after college, and I couldn't have worked there without a college degree. And I think that that was a good sales boot camp for me and taught me a lot. So I always say that if it did help me with anything, help me get a job making ten fifty five an hour as a college graduate. Uh, but it did help to launch me uh, in, into sales. But I want to go back to a little bit. You started talking. You started working when you're thirteen. I started working when I was fourteen. So there's some parallels there. Why so late? I know. Right. I know. I was just I was sitting on my ass playing video games at 13. Um, but who kind of showed you that type of work ethic or was that just something you were born with? But I think that, you know, it's something that's missing with the, the youth a little bit today is that stubbornness to get out early and get in the workforce and get some experience. Because you have a lot of kids that go through high school, that go through college. They launch out into the career at 23 22 with no work experience and real no work ethic i think there's a lot to be said for people who start early on with developing those skills so was there anybody in your life that kind of just spurred you to develop that or is that just something you innately had
1: i have to say it was innate i didn't have any that, that type of leadership or um guidance at home i would give you two pieces that i can guess might be contributing one uh, I don't remember him, but my grandmother used to say to me that my my grandfather I was like exactly like him. Um, I mean, I was five when he died, but uh, he was entrepreneur, hard driving from Long Island, you know, New York. Started many businesses and was very successful. And uh, apparently, I look like him. Apparently, I she used to tell me that I act like him and I work like him. And so it could be that that could be. But it wasn't because I was around him. I, I was five when he died. My father, who I said died when I was 12, I can tell you that um, he worked probably, he would get up in the morning, leave to go work. Uh, we lived in New Jersey, so there was a city called Patterson. He would work in a uh, textile factory. He would leave our house around 5.30 or 6 in the morning to go to do that, come home around 3. I remember I think he would shave, put on a jacket, and then go work from 4 to 11 o'clock selling houses doing real estate seven days a week, the real estate, five days a week in the factory. I don't know that I can say it, that put something in my, in my head, but I certainly grew up with, around that until he died when I was 12. And, it was, and then he quit the one job and went into real estate full-time. Now that I think about it, I kind of mirrored the same pattern. Um, <laughs> and it never, never, never occurred to me until I just said it. Um, and so, and he would work in real estate full-time. He would still, you know, seven, eight in the morning, get ready to go, because it was more of a professional service. And he'd still come home at 10 o'clock at night, uh, work every weekend. And when he was home, he was really in it. And, and frankly, if you ask my wife about what it was like to live with me up until about a year ago when I kind of started backing it down, that's how I've been. That's how I've always been. I, I was always work, 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 go, go, go. Um, the last thing I'll tell you is when I was you know, in the garden apartments where I grew up, I don't know why, but every time it snowed, I, I was out there. I could be eight, nine years old, I I know they weren't supposed to give me a job, but I'd be shoveling snow with the 10, 12 guys that were all part of this crew that would shovel snow in this entire garden apartment complex. I'd be out there for 12 hours, probably for $4 an hour. Hmm. Um, I don't know why. It's just, it's just, it it is wired in me and any opportunity I ever had ever to make a dime, I jumped on it and I never cared what it was. I would never say no to anybody for anything legally (laughs) uh, making money. And, And that was even while my father was alive because at that time i was 9 10 11 years old i would still shovel snow all day i would go around with an ice picker and chop ice in people's driveways and the houses that were outside my development 25 bucks to, to, to chop ice for half a day in somebody's driveway i don't know why i did it i used to blow up balloons and put them in a, a, a string around them i go knock on the doors in the apartments and sell a balloon for five cents i just made it up right yeah i love you it know, now it would be insane to do that because people are you know you don't walk into a, a Aside from COVID, you don't knock on the door.
0: <laughs>
1: right, yeah. But I don't know, man. Yeah. That's what I did. And it never stopped. It really never stopped.
0: Well, I like, I just like the principle, though, that once you develop that type of work ethic at some, such a young age, how well it serves you throughout your life. And uh, there's a lot not a lot the people that talk about that. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, because there's some similarities that you don't know about me, but, you know, Um, I grew up in a blue collar family and my dad worked for a geothermal power plant. My stepdad was uh, in construction. And so I grew up, my first jobs were always with my hands. I mean, all the way through college, I worked in lumber yards. I worked at Ace Hardware, you know, uh, I I pulled chain out of lumber yard. If those are familiar with what that means, you know, brutal work and building fences, digging post holes. Right. And so for me, like I knew what work was and I knew what hard work was. And so, uh, it was one thing I committed to myself. I'm never going to fucking do this. Uh, <laughs> it's like, ah, I'm going to do, ex- I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do, but right. it gave me a, a different, again, another sense of work ethic. And then did that really contribute to when you had to make that decision of do I want to be a cop or a firefighter, or do I want to go to this IT world realize, man, I don't want to break my back to make money my whole life. You know, was Thanks that sure. something as well? I could have, but it was,
1: it, that did cross my mind, but what really it crossed my mind, and I remember thinking about this was, because going back to how I grew up, which is gonna give me the greater potential to when I meet somebody and get married and have kids, have create a, a home that I didn't have, mm. and where I can have the option to be available when I want to for my kids, my family to have the potential to make as much as I want to make based on how hard I work without somebody controlling that. You know, I didn't really realize at the time I was gonna be an entrepreneur and have a business, but I knew that I would have a better opportunity in, you know, in a professional service or in a service area where I if I increased my skill set, I was worth more and more and more right. versus having it being capped as a civil servant, which I was completely okay with. Because I, that's what I wanted to do. And so it's a, I mean, it's one of the you know, most valiant things you can do is, is to, to, to be that um, servant, you know, but I wanted to give my kids that were yet to be born or imagined a better life than I had. I, I swear to God, that's what I was thinking. And I, I took the path that I might not have been happiest with, but that gave me a better opportunity to break the, the pattern in my, in my family. I thought yep. about that. I remember thinking about that. And it did work out that way. I I've, I've broke the pattern in every way, which I'll see where you go with this. But I can tell you about the downside to um, every, you know, the, all, all the upsides of working hard and, and everything we were just talking about. There are some downsides if you don't have the awareness, um, self-awareness to control uh, what could happen if you're working so hard that your family starts to become an afterthought, which happened to me.
0: Yeah. So well, no, I think that's important. To, I think that's a, uh, my wife and I got into a fight on Christmas Eve because she caught me working upstairs in my office. So, uh, you know, so I, I go, th- I, you know, cause I, you know, I tried to, she knows me and I'm the same as you. I love it. Like I love it. Yeah, I do. I love it. I can't, I have a hard time pulling myself away. I, you know, and so one of the things, maybe you could speak on more than me, but I have to goal oh. myself on several different pillars of my life. So when I'm doing my goal planning for 2021, you know, I put learning in there, but I put family in there. Like I have to, and people think it sounds crazy. Like I don't schedule in my family, but I, I do have to consciously make it a priority because I will get so obsessive with all the other stuff in my life, which helps me to be successful being extreme, but, you know, but I have to, counteract that, you know, with vacations and stuff like that. So how do you manage that and mitigate yourself not going off the, the deep end where no one sees you for seven days?
1: I can answer it now because I've become successful at it, but I can tell you that I, um, I was a disaster at it for a long, long, long time. My family didn't see me much for my 12 my year old probably can tell you the first eight nine years of her life. I was never around. So and my, my younger one has, is nine has a different experience because I'm around more, but it starts with I didn't think about it. Initially, I just was doing what I thought was I was supposed to do, which was work, work, work and chase this never ending pile of, of success or money or whatever and material things which there's never an end to it. So I. I you know, it was only until when I began to have revelations. I, when I turned, my father was 42 when he died. I started, I was, so as I got older and I passed 42, I'm like, oh, I made it. And then I got to 43, 44. And I began to start thinking, wow, like I need to really start spending more time with my family. And I, about two years ago, and then my wife and I started really having problems because uh, I wasn't focusing on her, on the relationship, on all the things that matter in, in the, that relationship. So when things really start to collectively go, 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 you can feel things just aren't good. And it's not like a moment, it's the way it's like, wow, this isn't so good anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what snapped me into like, wait, I better pay more attention, but I, I did. Um, and when that happened, I put family before anything else. and I made that choice. Um, I mean, frankly, my wife and I got to a bad spot where we, I think we almost, we probably would have split up in the past year year and a half if if things didn't change and it was mostly me i can't really say it was hard it was mostly me but it's all the stuff we're talking about this is so common when you are a hard driving type a success driven person whether you're male or female other things suffer mm-hmm. so it's recognition that things are suffering it's recognition that even if you don't think they're suffering go find out because they probably are you just don't realize it and figure it out before and ask questions talk to the people talk to your wife talk to your husband and Look at the behavior of your children and start to see how they react to you when you're around. All the signs are there if you, if you can see it. So I saw it and, um, and then I made some serious changes and I began to um, put my, my family first. And I frankly, because of COVID for the past year, I've been home a lot anyway. So I'm around all the time. Um, and it, it's being around and still working doesn't solve the problem. Being present, actually, when you're with the people that are important to you, and putting the phone down, putting the computer down, not taking the call, not wearing this stupid Apple Watch, which I stopped wearing. I wear a regular watch now because I don't want the distractions. Yeah. Being aware of all that, and then realizing that the most important thing is your family. Is really where it's 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 a value driven, soul based piece that you have within you that has nothing to do with. You know, whether or not I'm rich or poor or wealthy or, or, or in the middle, it doesn't matter. Your family really is the most important thing. And it took me a long, long, long time to realize that because I grew up in a dysfunctional home. So that wasn't the most important thing. It was never really the most important thing to me, even though I knew it in my head. It wasn't in my heart. Yeah. Over the past two years, I did a lot of work. Um, Do you ever read the book, um, The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma? I have not. I highly recommend it. It's one of the best books I ever read. He talks about mindset, soul set, heart set. Mm. Um, My mindset was needed to shift. My soul set needed to shift. So I was focusing on the right things in in the world and my heart needed to shift. And when that all happened, my business became a lot better as well. So that's the balance, knowing what's most important. Um, It's not your business, it's not the most important thing. It's important because you need to make money and people rely on you, but that business is not more important than your family. And that's the realization that has to really sink in in your mind, your heart, and in your soul. Um, and there's health set. That's the fourth one. You need to be healthy. Yeah, uh, do everything you can to be healthy. So um, it, it was a it was a journey for me, you know. And, and by the way, the people that I follow on social media, uh, they have the same stories. I follow influencers who are very well known, like Grant Cardone and Ed Milette. and these guys. Oh, yeah, ten. <laughs> these guys talk about it. They live it. And it doesn't matter how much money, Ed is the best because you, that guy, you can feel his heart through, through, through the screen.
0: Yeah,
1: It's real. And that's what's happened for me. I've shifted it. I used to be, you know, not so much fun to be around. I was so driven. so hard. It was ridiculous. And yeah, that worked and it made me money and it got me business and it did whatever. But if I didn't catch it, it would have slowly started to cause me to end up getting divorced not have a good, a good relationship with my kids or my wife, um, friends, um, uh, my co- my employees, my team, all of it it's all the same thing. You're the center of that relationship with every one of those people and and you really need to be a compassionate empathetic person that has the right values. That's where the balance comes from. Sorry, long answer again, but that's where the balance comes from. It's the recognition and the awareness of what's the damn balance supposed to be anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Thank you. I think that there's a lot of people that have been listening to this that younger um, you know our age that that are out of balance need to realize that it's it's important to work hard and it's great to make a lot of money, uh, but it's also important to realize that, you know, right, like, you know, I read the, one of the pivotal books for me was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I kept on having like you know issues with work or relationships, and I read that book, and I kind of was like, "Oh fuck, it's me!" <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's not everybody else, it's me, man. Like I, so I had to get my shit straight. So I, you know, implementing a meditation practice, you know, I got back in the gym and those types of things that were um, that helped to, to center me more, right? So I think it's great advice, Matt. I really and, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And meditation. Um i do it every day i do different ways and and think
1: about sometimes i think about things and listen to things sometimes it's just quiet but that meditation was part of what changed my life slowly over the past five years especially over the past year it is life-changing if you really understand why you're doing it and what it does to create the soul Mm -hmm. the peacefulness in you especially if you're dealing with trauma from childhood or if you're dealing with um excuse me any any um the little voices that run around in everybody's head that, that you know, it, it's what's, where's it all coming from, you know, the seat of your soul, like where's all coming from, you know, why, why are you making the choices you're making? Meditation is critical to having calm, clear thoughts. Yes. and come from the most peaceful, authentic place. Um, everybody should meditate. And that's frankly where, where my, most of my creativity happens. Unfortunately, when I'm doing a meditation, I end up having the most creative Thoughts, and I actually have to write stuff down or, or stop meditating and, and send myself emails. It, my antennas go up, and everything that's out there, it flows, it flows in, and, and, and it's it's crazy. But and also the, the exercising, you have to, right? You have to, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, I, to, I totally agree. And I, it's interesting. I, I saw some statistic, and I know COVID. There's been a lot of you know whatever. Uh, it's been everyone's got their own thoughts, opinions on it. I don't, I don't get into it. But I did see like a stat that was like. You know how many gym visits there've been? Like forty-six million gym visits, and out of all the people they attracted, gone to the gym, it was like eleven hundred had gotten COVID, and it was like, I don't know, it was like one hundred and thirty-nine had unfortunately died. But the the, the point was, COVID. you know, because of COVID, and I don't know yeah. how they tracked that, but I was like, you know, forty-six million visits, hundred people die, that shows that you know, you have a healthy body, you have a healthy, uh, you know, you're getting your vitamin D, you're taking your supplements, you're going to the gym you're going to be a lot more resistant to getting it and to fighting it. And that's something that I've, I've been, uh, regardless if you're Democrat or Republican, I don't really talk about it on this show, but irrespective of anybody, the one thing that the message has not been conveyed to the fucking people is that get your nutrition right, get your supplements right, get your ass out walking, and you'll have a much better chance of living if anything you do catch it.
1: That's right. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not, neither of us are doctors, but I'm telling you, vitamin D – I live in a sunny part of the country, but I still take um, 20,000 IUs of vitamin D every day. I don't even need it. Um, I probably have more than I need, but vitamin D is so critical to being healthy and to fighting off um, infections. And, and uh, I just, I watch and read and, and, and I'm a firm believer you and can't, you can't take too much vitamin D. It's not one right. of the, the vitamins that, that you can uh, over, uh, overdose. You can, um, it's, it's toxic. But start paying attention, if anybody's watching, start paying attention. Now it's becoming mainstream in the news. I don't watch the news, but I do see stuff occasionally like on Google pop-up. Now they're starting to report, they are starting to report that vitamin, people who have, almost everybody who's who's died from, um, that they've measured, died from uh, COVID, is deficient in vitamin D. I'm not saying that. It's something I'm seeing now as a common thread and things I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And I also just saw something on um, a, a, a valid news report that said that vitamin D um, is starting to be shown as something that actually can, it increases your immune system, but you are more apt to fight off or not get COVID. I don't know if it's true or not, but, but I do know that you're hundred percent right. And you got it, especially vitamin D, take all your supplements and be healthy, but you have no reason not to take vitamin D. I think it's vitamin D and K3 is actually the combination I mean, I take like you said, 20,000 a day and I walk outside for a half hour, uh, I think I get 35,000 just from the sun every day what, that's how much I, so I don't want to get sick. I certainly hope I don't, but if I do, I, I, I don't have any underlying conditions. I'm super healthy and, um, I'd probably be fine. It's the people that are not, you know, that, that, that have underlying conditions. I think you hear the same thing, right? Those are the people that are, are having the real struggle. Right. Get healthy, you know, get, get help. You want to have a good, healthy business, be a good, healthy person. hundred yeah. you know, percent. Have a good, healthy family, lead your family by example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why, honestly, for me, I, why I follow Grant and the 10 X mentality is because he doesn't, you know, a lot of people take that as like, it's just 10 X in your business, right? It's 10 X in your sales. It, it, but like, 10X. no, he, he 10 X is everything. It's, it's about your health. It, it's about your family. Okay. You know, it's about your financial literacy. It's, you know, it's about everything. So that's why I, I really bought into him. And I like Ed, too, because I think he gives that same, same type of message. You know, obviously, the dude's jacked. You know what I mean? He's completely jacked for 49. Uh, so, <laughs> you guys so, have matching tattoos. What's that? I said, you guys have matching
1: tattoos. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. His is more tribal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got look some... at, at, at Cardone. I, I mean, look at what he's done physically. If you look at his body over the past year, he's, he said a year ago or something, he's like, I'm getting on it. And now he shoots videos in the gym. But that guy was 60 or 62. Look at him. Mm-hmm. He's his body transformed in the past 12, 18 months. Transformed because he chose to. Yeah. Chose to. There's no, there's, and, and if you want to talk about excuses, that guy is like on the go constantly, but yet he finds a way to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go work out for an hour every day, no matter where
0: he is or so he says, but it certainly looks like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. If he wasn't, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, look the way he does. So I, I wanted to pivot a little bit to your business and talk about, you know, some of the strategies you've used to grow in your business. Uh, Cause you've got two locations. I know you're, da- I think you're down in Florida, right?
1: Yeah. I'm just trying to get that one to turn, to turn into something. Um, the one in, you know, the, the Jersey is, is the main location. Florida, we're, we're trying to, to build something here.
0: Good. Yeah. I, my wife's from uh, Orlando, so I get to spend a good good amount of time oh, cool. um, in, in Florida. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Beautiful state. I always said, I, I'm in Texas. I grew up in California and I always thought that those were the three states I would live in. Um, cool. So I get to go get there often. So I'm fortunate with that. But how did you start to really start to scale your business? What were some of the strategies? You know, because the people, the entrepreneurs or salespeople are always interested to listen to this show. Like, how do you grow? And you said, I started in my basement, right? I started with my yeah. side business. So how do you go from basement side business, side hustle into what you're doing now? I just got
1: to make a note because I had three things pop into my head. I don't want to forget them. Yeah, <laughs> no. no problem. Um, so the first thing is I began with the end in mind. Which is, ironically, it's, it comes out of a, a book. That term comes out of a book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen mm-hmm. Covey. Um, and it always stuck in my head, begin with the end in mind. I don't mean literally the end, but everything that you, you start at some point has a finish, right? So when I was in my basement, I, I literally thought to myself, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. And what is it that I want to build? So I visualized it, right? So it is important to visualize what you want. Um, and I visualized it. And I kind of, I actually did build what I envisioned building, but the um, I knew that I needed to make it scalable in a way where I didn't always want to be necessary. Mm. Not many business owners build their business that way. They build it and then they're like, "Oh man, I can't, I can't, you know, either step away or I can't evolve because I'm so tied to the business and the business needs me." So I began with that in mind. So when you start with that in mind, okay, I want to build an IT business. I want to serve people. I get a tremendous joy out of helping people. So Okay, I'm in a good business to do that. I can impact people, right? So um, I put systems in place. That's a very important piece. I intentionally, I went through three until I finally found the one that made the most sense and was the best fit. But I intentionally put a system in place that was built to support me having 20, 30, 40, 100 employees when I had none. So I took the time to do that. And I put the money into it. I was fortunate enough that when I was doing all the side business, I didn't have to spend any of the money that I was making. So I was saving that. And so I was able in the beginning to not have to, I've never taken a loan. I've never financed it. I've never used anybody else's money. So I was fortunate in that way. And I used that time and that money to build the foundation. So number one, you've got to think about the foundation. It has to make sense. It's got to be thought out. Don't um, shoot from the hip like build a good smart foundation because the end having the end in mind, maybe your end is you want to build a business and have it forever until you die. Well, that's still an end. And, 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 or you might want to have it and sell it in five years, whatever it is, even if you're selling it, somebody's going to want to buy something that has a workflow driven process driven machine. And that's what I built intentionally. And and I knew that coming from a large corporate environment that you needed processes and then working with my friend, who um, was all about process, workflow, and discipline too, I knew I needed that. So that's number one. You've, you've, you've got to have that in place. And um, two, actually, I forgot what you asked me, buddy, but I'm going to keep going. Two, yeah. ha- you need to have mentors. Um, I I, intention- I didn't intentionally seek out mentors, but I was fortunate enough to have people that were mentors. Um, and from them, I learned some valuable lessons. and And, and it was things like, how to properly manage your money how to have a good financial system i use quickbooks but how to have a good financial system but not just the system how to actually build it out so that you understand it and you can get good reports and you can understand the financial side of your business ask me the question again i don't want to go too far off track no i was just how did you start to scale your business okay that's what i'm answering Mm -hmm. so have a good financial system in place you can't scale if you don't have a good financial system so i use QuickBooks tied it into a good CRM. And from there with those two things, I had the business in place. And to this day, and I had a good accountant, get a very good accountant, get a very good lawyer. Um, and I had those and they, especially my accountant taught me what I, the, what I really needed to know about financial uh, accounting that I hadn't already learned from, um, from the, the job I had. You need all that. You can't scale your business if you don't have an understanding. If you're gonna rely on other people, then you're going to have a problem because you'll never know if you're making the profits you should make. If your costs are too high, if, um, if your ratios are right, you need to know that stuff. And so it's wonderful to rely on other people to have a partner that knows it. You still have to know it. Yeah. So you can't scale without that. Then you get into how do you actually scale. Um, I sold. I, I, I went out and networked like crazy, and that might be the biggest takeaway. I met as many people as I could. I touched as many people as I could in terms of meeting people, going out for dinners, having drinks. Um, I spent probably a good five years. I mean, three or four, three, four nights a week being out till I would start in the morning, but I'm doing, doing the, the business of the business. But I didn't stop at four or five o'clock. I would go out to different places where I knew other successful business owners would hang out. Mm-hmm. And I would go and be there with them over time, I met other people who I began to sign on as customers. Yeah. So it was relationship development. The ultimate way to scale your business when you have little or no money is meet as many people as you can. Even in COVID, you can still do that. You've got to network like crazy um, and get something, get some foundation where there's a stream of revenue. The next thing that allowed me to scale was, again, the beginning or the end in mind or begin with the, with the end in mind. I knew that I did not want to have a business that was based on billable time or project work. It needed to be based on reoccurring monthly revenue that I can guarantee was coming in every month contractually. Hmm. And I did that in the beginning, which was I was selling my managed services. I was selling, I don't want to use the word selling. I was delivering a managed service in return for a reoccurring fee. I was delivering cloud in return for a reoccurring fee. This is before cloud was like a thing. And I at a certain point was, uh, my goal was to reach uh, the turning point number. And the turning point number was when my monthly guaranteed reoccurring income exceeded my expenses. That was, it. And I hit that point and it was a goal. It was a short-term goal. You can't scale much bigger unless you have that, that in mind. Like you're going out there and you're selling, bringing in business, you're doing it because you, you have to reach a number. It's not about you making money. It's about your business reaching a number where your income exceeds your revenue. And even if you didn't have anything else happen that month—no projects, no billable hours, no new customers—you're okay. You can pay the bills. Right. I thought about all these things. It took me about four or five years to get to that point. Uh, and I was—I as a business owner was under desks installing computers, building servers. I was in it doing all of it, and I had 1099s as I didn't have employees. I had a few consultants that I worked with that, that worked with me as I needed. And that for me was how I scaled my service business. And, and it was a balancing act. And um, eventually got to a point where I could hire my first employee. And I did that. And I hired one, then two, then three, then four. And that allowed me to give them very specific roles and responsibilities so I could continue to be out meeting people and bring in new business. So you, you I mean, you have, to, that's the the lifeblood. You you have to keep meeting people. You have to keep um, bringing in new business to grow. And then it becomes a thing where, okay, now I've gotten to a certain size and revenue, bring on more employees. Everything's good. How do I really keep scaling this? There's two ways. One way I don't like so much. And one way is a lot easier, but it's more challenging in other ways. Uh, one is to just organically keep trying to sell, just invest a lot of money in sales and hire sales people and do all that stuff. And, uh, you know, traditionally, and hope that you, you bring in business or the other is buy other companies. Mm. And I came to that crossroad when I was, my revenue was like a million dollars at the time. I had four employees. Look, I could sit on a golf course if I wanted all day. I was, I had a machine running cause I built the machine and right. then I just was pulling up the bus. I could have done that probably forever, but I didn't want to, I wanted to keep going. So, um, I did a, uh, a merger with somebody brought a partner on, um, it's a, whole other, it's a whole other podcast, but I brought a partner. <laughs> I went to a 50-50 thing. Me and uh, another guy brought our companies together, and that triples my revenue overnight. And for him, because he was running very low margin, he was running a terrible model for his business, which I, I ran a beautifully run business. I saw his business as a diamond in the rough. Yes, I didn't want to have a partner, but it was it was a risk I took. I powered through the fear of all the stuff that could happen, which ultimately did happen. But we, we went from, I went from 1 million in revenue to three and a half overnight. And I was running at 35% margins at a million. He was running at like, I don't know, 10 or 12% margins at whatever he was at the time, two and a half, three million. Personally, I'd rather have the million at 35%. Right. But I brought him together. And within six months, I had his business, which now was all together. He had never run, had, had more, more than one month, two months in a row, where he didn't run red and cash flow wise. He was running the ca- negative cash flow. He was running a terrible business, but he had a lot of customers. So I came in, I applied it, I brought it into my model. We were at twenty five percent margins within I think six to eight months on the whole business. Wow. And then we ran like that. We can we grew and grew and grew, and it was some organic. But then it was like I did it again. I'm like, look, I got another opportunity. Let's do it. Let's do another deal. Did another deal. Two other companies brought on two more partners, and that's how we kept growing and growing. And um, that's how I've found is it's hard because I ultimately had to buy out all the partners; they're all gone. I had to go through two years of legal battles to deal with it. But in the end, I ended up with the business that I've always envisioned, uh, the culture I've always envisioned, the team that I want around me that shares my vision. Like no, it's it's sort of that that um uh. You know, when you all come together and, and you're, 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 um, you're single-minded in a way, mm-hmm. and there's a term, it's escaping me, But the, the mastermind. When you have that mastermind, you're all going the same direction on the same boat with the same wind blowing you. It's a great creative feeling. I had to get rid of all the partners to do that because they ultimately didn't want to follow my lead. They all had different visions, which if you're ever going to do a deal, either buy the company, don't bring on a partner, or you got to be really solid that you, everybody's going to follow one leader. you can't have four years ultimately that was our our undoing but scale through acquisition mergers and acquisitions it's the best way to do it in my opinion um is it the easiest it could be if you really do your due diligence and you got you do good deals it's not if you go what i through went through which was two years of of drama nonsense negativity and legal battles somehow in the midst of it continuing to grow the companies because we were all still working um, I think you got to do both. I think you got to try to grow organically through social media marketing. Old school marketing is dead and mergers and acquisitions.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, I just took you through a lot of different phases, but I'm at the point now where I'm a mature business owner that's gone through the, all of the wars. I've got the scars. I've made a million mistakes. And I'm at the point now where I'm able to, which is what I want to do in Florida, take that piece of, of my business where I can give strategic guidance to businesses, whether you use me for IT or not. I can be a guide to you as a business owner, not just with your business, but then matching it up to make sure that you've got that foundation in place. Even if you're a 20 year old business, you may need to revamp your business and get the foundation going forward for the new new economy. Um, But anyway, that's, um, that's how I scaled. And that's how, I mean, everybody does it their own way, but um, people that I know who haven't scaled and who've plateaued, they are afraid to do mergers and acquisitions. They're just afraid. They're which is rightly so, but it's, it's a fear you can get through if you think of it with an open mind and they're following old school sales tactics and techniques that just don't work anymore. Yeah. They've plateaued social media, marketing, branding, yourself, branding your company properly, shooting as many videos as you can that deliver information of service and truly value to people where they begin to truly trust you because they see, you know what you're talking about and then they might want your help. That's how we focus now on sales. That's what sales is to us. Cause it's not even sales. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's if I, if if I'm gonna be able to help you, you have to trust me, and how could you possibly trust me if you don't have content of from which you can you can learn about me and hear me talk, and so that's how we are scaling now. It's through meeting new people through social media.
0: Long answer, a lot of information. No man, I, I love it. There, I mean, I'm learning as well. Um, you know. It, it, I took over a team last year that was quote unquote failing. And uh, that was kind of what we have done in our marketplace here was just, you know, we tried to go out and meet as many people as possible. And it was really using LinkedIn um, as much as possible. Cause you know, we work for a huge uh, fortune now, 100 company, so big company. So I don't want to have as much exposure, right? With like hitting people up on Twitter, Instagram stuff like that, but leverage LinkedIn leverage white papers, leverage video, leverage content to get into, in, in the way of people, not just calling them and saying like, Hey, here's my product. Here's what it does. Can we do business? Right. We, we, we attacked it at a different angle and I'll tell you uh, year over year growth. Uh, we grew um, our, our business here, $10 million and uh, up a hundred percent. So, you know, but you know, so it's, what you're saying it resonates with me very well because it's something that we've used. Uh, I've used it the last 18 months since coming to Texas, and, it, and it's helped to catapult us into another stratosphere um, where people didn't think that we could revive the market as well as we have as fast as we did. And and a lot, I, the thing that, too that really resonates. I want to go back on. I know we've kind of run out of time here, but one of my last few questions for you is to talk about the systems because I'm a huge proponent. If you don't put systems into place, like you said, if you can't walk away and go on vacation, you haven't done your fucking job. You haven't done your job, right? Like you're not a bit, you're not an operator. You know what I mean? You're an employee of yourself. If you have to be there constantly monitoring everything and babysitting everybody. So is that something that you see that fundamentally business owners miss the most is implementing good systems for themselves and kind of what are some of the things that you go in and help attack them? Is it CRM? Is it using cloud-based or is it kind of all the above?
1: Um,
0: Hold on, I have a thought, I gotta write it down.
1: The, um, it's a huge problem. You know, I, I, look, I, I deal with a lot of small and medium businesses, and, but, but that could be a $500 million company it is considered a medium business. It only has a few IT people in it. So I deal with a lot of people like that. And there's so much fear around, around change and there's so much, you know, but just the way we've always done it. But I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem that people, Don't stop and say, am I reaching the goals I wanna reach? Are we going where we wanna go? And are the systems the right systems? You have to have a system that works. So even if you're a small business owner and we're talking about somebody that can step away and go out and meet people, um, you can't do that if you're busy taking phone calls all day. Many of my customers are like that. Um, And yeah, we provide cloud for them and they've got the kind of basic core infrastructure in place but their own business systems aren't even in place. Like right. the CRM might use to integrate finance, sales, marketing, tracking time, tracking appointments, like the whole thing. They just don't have it in place. And um, are they, you know, have they built a lifestyle business? Probably. So maybe they're okay with that, but I don't know. Let's talk to people who are early on and they still have an opportunity to really get it right. Or people who are, you know, if you're out there and you're, you're a mature business owner and you want to reinvent yourself. Awesome. I think you, you, you need to step back, look at, it's a process re-engineering effort, right? And that's when you asked me early on what I do. It's, well, part of what we do is it's hard to put an IT strategy in place if we don't know what the business strategy is. So what you step back and say, what's my strategy? What are my goals for the next one, three, five years for the business in the current economy, look at your micro and your macro and say, what's going on? And then then are my systems in place like and probably the answer probably is, yes, they're in place, but they're outdated and we need to revisit all the workflows and processes or they're just not in place. Um, I would bet I'm making this up. Ninety five percent of the people, if we took a thousand business owners, they'd all be like in one of those two categories Maybe 5% are going to be like, yep, I did it. It's great where everything is efficient We're productive. We've got reports in place that can show us where people are not being productive, where the holes in the bucket are. It's the minority. Uh, I run my business that way. Um, and it sounds like you probably do too, but I, I don't see most of my clients even running their business that way because they're too busy being in the business. Yes. And so what do you do? You need a, a, a consultant. You need a, a strategic advisor. You need Somebody that can give you guidance, knowledge, experience and at the table with you, at the the conference room table with you, or over a video, on a regular basis, holding you accountable. Hmm. I said to one of my largest customers the other day, they're in New York City, they have like 450 employees or something, and I deal directly with the COO, and he doesn't have an internal IT guy. I am their, their, their CIO, right? I'm their chief information officer, but I'm outsourced. And... I, he, I was giving him guidance on cybersecurity and I've been trying, he's gonna get mad, he's gonna watch this. I was, I've been trying for, um, I got six months, seven months to have, get an approval for a cybersecurity penetration testing. They bang away from the outside and try and get into your company to see where the holes are. So we can fix $5,000 uh, assessment. I mean, it depends, it could be 50, it could be two. It depends on what, how you're doing the service and what you're using, but it's relatively inexpensive relative to the, the revenue. Right. Can't get the approval. And I looked at him and I said, I apologize. I'm being assertive. I'm being aggressive. But I'm telling you, what you really pay me for is to hold you accountable. My job is to hold you accountable. And I'm, I'm holding you accountable. I need this approval. It's, it's not right for this company to not be doing this assessment. I still haven't gotten the approval. But he did say to me, you're 100% right. I do rely on you to hold me accountable. I thank you for that that's, that's what people need.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, you know, it's um, I, I'm in the IT business, but I'm in the business support business. Like I, I really help even my clients that are, that are the business owners. Um, one guy comes to mind right now who, who he and I have these, these talks every so often about his business and my business. And it becomes a, um, what do you call it? Like a coaching conversation. Like we talk about our ups and downs and good and bad, but you can't let fear of change stop you from looking at what you've done wrong and what you're doing wrong and change it so that you can actually be structured better going forward. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your business family, which is your employees and your, your, your clients. You owe it to all of them to actually step back and say what can I do better? And you owe it to yourself to have somebody who call it a coach, call it a friend, call it a trusted advisor. Um, you got to have it. You got to have it. And so we 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 do that. I do that. So that's part of what I'm doing in Florida. Is I'm not focusing so much right now on the IT side of things. I'm beginning to work with people who want somebody to hold them accountable. And these are 40, 50 year old professionals that are successful that know that they need opinions. And that's one of the most brilliant realizations a business owner can have i need somebody that i can trust who can give me an opinion i may not agree with it but they're gonna somebody's gonna tell me hey you should be looking at this this and this so to answer your question most people don't have the processes and workflows and systems in place that they need at least today going forward yeah. most people don't and it's gonna hurt them they, they the lifestyle business they have may keep going but they're they're falling short why, why not be able to give your employees more money why not be able to right. More services. Why not be able to deliver your service better and more efficiently to your clients? Why not be able to add your value? The only way to do that is to, to to do what you do better. So it always ties back to technology, though. No matter what the answer is, technology is going to solve the problem.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think the two, one of the things I've learned from Grant is that you're being selfish by not serving more people. Right? And so if you're not, if if you're not, if you're not being self-critical, you're not asking for help, you're not asking for honest feedback and you're in this little unicorn bubble that you're doing everything perfectly. Like you're not, you're not helping as many people as you should. Right. And, and, and I think that that's, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur in business in general, that's what we're all trying to do is to, to serve others and to spread our message and help as many people as possible. And you're doing a great job of that. So I want to acknowledge you for that, Matt, because uh, it sounds like you're you're well-rounded um, all the way around and you're doing a lot more than just providing IT services. You're, you're helping people fix their business, putting strategies in place to make them more profitable and serve more people. So uh, awesome, awesome work. Um cool. Dude, I have I have to let me just add one thing.
1: I don't have to go. I have a client of mine who, who uh, about a year ago, was having some issues at home. I actually called up a psychologist that I know, that I, I every so often I rely on as a mentor. Sure. Set him up with an appointment, sent him, paid for it, just so that he could experience possibly another way to look at things and, and help himself at home with his marriage. This is this is an IT director and one of my clients. He called me because it was a Sunday afternoon. It was five o'clock. I'm like, what? And I'm listening. I'm like, okay. And he, he needed my help because he and I have been able to connect in general. So he needed my help. So I did that for him. I don't want nothing in return. I want the guy to be happy.
0: It, it's That's what you're saying. It's, it's it's It goes way beyond delivering IT service, man. hundred percent. And that law of reciprocity pays your business 10 times over in ways that you don't even understand where they're going to come from and uh, a lot more people if they were had that more altruistic attitude with serving as opposed to profit understanding your margins like we talked about like, right you got to make money but giving uh like tony robbins said always my favorite quote by him is living is giving
1: that's right i love tony robbins
0: yeah man me too uh matt yeah man, this has been a great conversation we've been chatting for an hour it flew by I, I, we kind of both thought that it would uh, but where can people uh connect with you at Best place
1: to find me is on LinkedIn. Just send me a message directly. Uh, my email address. Are you gonna are you gonna float it on the screen? Yeah, uh, I well, yeah, I can, when and I'll put it in the show notes. notes. Yeah, hit me up on email directly. Um, the uh, LinkedIn is the best, and um, I think if you hit me up on one of those two places, you can check out our website. Um, you know, you can definitely get to me through there. But find me on LinkedIn. It's Matt Rosenthal and Mindcore. I'll come right up. Just send me a message. Um, it's all about guidance, knowledge, and experience, man. I just I'll, we don't need to, if you want, if you have a question on anything that you think I can give you an opinion on, call me. That's it. And certainly if you need IT services, and certainly if you need my core services, let's talk. Give me a call. I'll give you my opinion.
0: Cool, man. Well, please reach out to Matt. Anybody needing IT services, uh, guidance, uh, strategies, I think he would be more than happy to provide all the above. Uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much for being on the show. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure. You had a great vibe. Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs)